0: Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat Any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all! It's the beginning of September. It's September 4th, and you know what that means. I've got a few new one-on-one coaching slots available so if you are ready to really take charge of your journey get the support the accountability the knowledge the wisdom the friendship that you need and deserve to get you steps closer to creating your dream family head over to FindingFertility.co, check out the coaching programs I have on offer right now, and get your name on the wait list, and I will get back to you ASAP with the start date, and we will do this together. Now remember, you can do some functional testing as well, which if you feel like you have tried everything and you aren't seeing the results that you want to see, Functional testing is a great way to dig deeper and find all those hidden things that might be impacting your fertility right now. So don't hesitate. If you are ready to stop guessing and really get down to the root cause of your infertility, get a 30 day action plan that is going to get you steps, hundreds of steps closer to creating your dream family. Head over to the website, get on the wait list, and let's do this together. On today's podcast, we have Blair Nelson from Fab Fertility. She is a true infertility warrior and she is sharing her journey all over Instagram and on her own podcast. She has done several rounds of IVF and had a heartbreaking miscarriage back in 2018 she's really taking control of her physical, mental, and emotional health. And fingers crossed, she's going to see those two peak lines and carry through a happy and healthy baby into 2021. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I am super stoked to have Blair from Fab Fertility and Fertility Rally with us today. And Blair is in the thick of her journey. I think she's just about to do a a frozen um, transfer with a little baby embryo. And she's here to talk about what her journey for one and then what she's put into place mentally, emotionally, physically to help increase her chances. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So take us back to the start of
1: your journey. Oh my gosh. So my husband and I started doing IVF in June of 2018. So it's only been a couple years, but it feels like so much has happened. And it feels like for people listening, they're going through infertility. It's like time just goes so slowly. It feels like 10 years, not two, but we got a diagnosis after we had just been trying naturally for a few months that we were dealing with a genetic roadblock, I should say. My husband has a balanced translocation, which means that two sets of his 26 chromosomes perfectly flip-flopped when he was conceived. And so he's completely normal. But when you try to conceive with a balanced translocation being in the mix, it makes it very difficult. One, um, just to conceive in general, but two, to have a viable pregnancy because a lot of times the, the embryos that are created have a unbalanced translocation. So you have extra chromosomes hanging on one spot or you have some missing or both. And a lot of times people find out they have these translocations after multiple miscarriages. So luckily we were able to find out before that happened, but most people with a balanced translocation end up Having to conceive through IVF for all the reasons I just mentioned. So, we started on that, on our IVF journey in 2018. We have done five rounds of IVF. Our first round and our fifth round that we recently did are the only rounds where we got genetically normal embryos that were either just euploid or have my husband's balanced translocation. And we had three just complete failed cycles. We've always been able to make embryos, but three back-to-back cycles, all of them were either unbalanced or just had some other chromosomal issue. So it has been a, definitely a marathon. We, from our first cycle, had four genetically normal embryos. We transferred all of those individually. We had three just complete failed transfers. And then we did get pregnant in September of 2018 and I miscarried in October. So it was like six, seven weeks, which was super heartbreaking and isolating and all the things that everyone feels. And that's when I decided to start Fab Fertility because I needed support from this community. And I just found, I'm sure you agree, Monica, like this Instagram, social media world of infertility is just incredible. Like people are so amazing. They will do anything to support you. So yeah. I mean, we're just trucking along. Um, we, we got three normal embryos from our fifth cycle. And then like you said, I am gearing up for a transfer. Found out yesterday that it's going to be delayed because I did an endometrial receptivity analysis test that came back. It wasn't inconclusive. It was that they didn't have enough genetic material in the sample to give us results. So unfortunately, we have to repeat that. So I was super excited that, you know, in two weeks I was going to have my transfer and now it's a whole nother month away, which is just the the name of the infertility game is waiting. So that's where I'm
0: at. Unfortunately, we don't feel time rich when we're going through infertility. I mean, everyone who listens to this knows that it took me eight years to get pregnant naturally. And, <laughs> nice. and now looking back at it, I'm like, you know, when you, you're thinking like, you know, things are delayed by months you're like wow those really really add up to be years sometimes for some of mm. us when you went into your first IVF was there any kind of like knowledge or information around you know who was supporting you about changing up diet and lifestyle before you went in not really so we w-
1: kind of we dove right into IVF like it was we got this diagnosis we went and met with our Reproductive endocrinologist that our OB referred us to. And it just so happened to be that I was on the day of my cycle where you would do a baseline. (laughs) So we just like literally jumped right into it. So unfortunately, at You know, I didn't have the heads up. I didn't know I was going to start IVF. I just kind of got thrown into it, so I hadn't. I didn't have the chance to like put healthy habits into place. You know, months in advance, like you're supposed to do. I'm doing air quotes supposed to do. (laughs) I know everyone has different thoughts on how long before you should, you know, really get a regimen going. And, but yeah, so my first cycle, not a thing. I was so blissfully ignorant.
0: That time, yeah. I, I mean, I know I'm the same way. I mean, we, we tried naturally for three years, and because I was so young, and because there was no diagnosis, I think it's a great thing to get a diagnosis. Someone who's dealt with unexplained infertility, like it's frustrating not to have one. But because we didn't have a diagnosis, we didn't get pigeonholed. Right. I feel like sometimes when you get that diagnosis, that's what you like zone in on. And so obviously with your husband's issue, IVF is the way no one Mm -hmm. can dispute that you know, not, well, maybe someone who's against IVF completely, but yeah, if anyone yeah, in yeah. the fertility world understands and that's what IVF is there for. But yeah, like, so we tried for three years and when it was like, well, we're not going to do IUI because you're cycling normally and, you know, there's no point go straight to IVF. But it was like, okay, well, maybe that will give us an answer. They just look at you. And if you're cycling normally, you're in a healthy weight, they're like, okay, you're fine. You can have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For most of us, especially when you, after a failed IVF, you're like, it obviously does not work that way because you can throw all the best medical technology at us and you're still only giving us maximum of 30% chance of conceiving. I feel like it's shifting. I feel Mm -hmm. like, there's people like me, you know, standing on our soapboxes and being like, "Come on, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's better." Yeah. This situation, and then I think the science is coming out too slowly. And I know a lot of people are maybe like, "Oh, that's unproven." but it's going to come out. And I think IVF clinics are catching on that diet, lifestyle, all the you know, practices that are holistic mm-hmm. do increase chances. So when did you start? When was your like, okay, I need to start taking control of this, even though it's ne- not necessarily something we can fix, but yeah. there's things that I can do to increase our chances.
1: So I would say I got really, I mean, after our first retrieval, and I st- we started, um, we were testing our embryos and we knew, okay, we're probably going to be gearing up for a transfer. I mean, generally speaking, my husband and I are pretty healthy. You know, it's not like we were like doing all these recreational drugs and like eating junk food. And st- I mean, it's, we are generally healthy people, but um, I would say like I did the obvious things right after our first treatment, which are really limit caffeine, limit alcohol, all all those obvious things that every doctor does tell you. But I will say when we were gearing up for, when we had exhausted all of our embryos from our first cycle and we were gearing up for cycle number two, the first doctor that I had, so I'm, I'm on, I switched doctors between my second and third IVF cycle. But when we were gearing up for number two, we were sitting, we had our consult and my first doctor is very progressive, very into the lifestyle diet stuff. And she was like, all right, We're going to go over every single thing that you could possibly do to help. Let's talk about like eliminating inflammatory foods like dairy, maybe gluten even. She suggested like doing maybe more of a whole food plant-based diet as we geared up for this things that your body easily digests, warm foods versus like a bunch of cold stuff all the time, bone broth, like all this stuff. I think she gave us a list or something. Then I was also... and, and. I should backtrack a little bit before the transfers and things. I guess after our first transfer, I started going to acupuncture because I agree with you. Like what everything you're saying, IVF and the science is great, but that's one piece of a very big puzzle. And I have always been fascinated with and intrigued by a more holistic approach, holistic medicine. I really love Ayurvedic medicine. I really love the acupuncture. So the acupuncturist really helped guide me as well on some diet stuff. We talked a lot about blood nourishing foods. I still go to acupuncture. I mean, I've been going ever since, I guess, 2019. So I've been going for a year and a half. And we talk a lot about sometimes it's in the beginning of your cycle, it's important to focus on certain foods. And then whenever you ovulate and things, you should focus on other foods. So I try to take all of this in and then just do what works for me because I feel like one mistake I've made is overwhelming myself with all of these habits. Like it can get overwhelming. (laughs) It's like, take this supplement and this and this and this and don't eat this, but do eat this. And it's like, ah, you got to live. But um, yeah, I would say it was probably around then that I started really paying attention.
0: With the thing of, you know, healthy, you know, everyone thinks they're healthy, right? Until they're not.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: it's really hard with IVF trying to determine if you're healthy, whether or not you're getting viable embryos or not, especially with, you know, the issue that your husband has. I do believe there's two things. Fertility is fickle as fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am like a prime example of that. My last frozen embryo transfer I had all. I had the diet, I had the lifestyle, I had the immune suppressing drugs, I had two viable good embryos, and I still miscarried. So nothing set in stone. But I do feel that quality of embryos is a good representation of your health, in the sense that like when we went into our first round of IVF, no one would have said we were unhealthy. No one. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we did not. I mean, other than like maybe drinking a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, we lived a perfectly normal diet lifestyle. We didn't, you know, mac down on fast foods. We weren't doing drugs, you know. Yeah. But that IVF round completely exposed how unhealthy I actually was. Like, not to be 30 years old, have no issues whatsoever on either side, and not get one viable embryo. It was like a huge, Like smack in the face. And even though at the time um, it wasn't necessarily the answer, you know, they Mm -hmm. just kind of said, like, oh, well, that might explain why you're not getting pregnant. It's like, well, like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? And we were lucky enough in the sense that the IVF clinic was like, nothing. We'll just try it again and see if it works. And for some reason, like I just didn't sit well with my husband or I, I was like at least change the drugs, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, just right. Something. Do something. Yeah. And um we went away completely defeated, just like we had like no hope in the world. Mm-hmm. And a friend just said, like change your diet. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with our diet. And he's like, Yeah, there is. <laughs> I like, Well, okay. So we we went down that rabbit hole and like you said like it gets so overwhelming because you have the internet and you <laughs> have everyone's different opinions on mm-hmm. what the best fertility diet is what you should do. And I failed a lot over the next year, because um, I didn't zone in on exactly what I needed to do. So even though my health was improving, you know, I saw health issues I didn't even know I had or like wasn't conscious of go, like disappear. I'm like, oh, okay, and started realizing like, you know, those inflammatory basic foods like gluten, dairy, sugar, corn and soy, you know, maybe not the best thing for me. And then, so when we went to do another round of IVF, the embryos improved like by a rate of 500. Wow. Um, Yeah. We transferred the best looking one and Mm -hmm. I didn't even make it to day 28. Really? And it was like the most devastating thing because it's like, I've put in all that fucking hard work, man. Like that was a year of blood, sweat and tears and, I mean, people thought I just went loony because this is back in, like, I don't know, 2000, I want to say, like, 12 or 13. So we we demanded this autoimmune testing, and that was my issue. I had a, a high NK cells, so my body was completely rejecting the embryos. And come to find out, because, like you, I, I like I did it all, the acupuncture, the reflexology, all the different diets, and you know, even though things were improving, the result, the ultimate result that you want is a healthy, viable pregnancy, just wasn't wasn't there. And when we got this test, like it dawned on me just recently that that was a year after being really healthy that I still had high natural killer cells. So we used immune suppressant drugs the next time, got pregnant and miscarried. I had a missed miscarriage. And I don't know, it was such mixed feelings because obviously you're devastated. You're talking six years. That was my first ever positive pregnancy test. And to know the fact that my body could do it, it sent me in like hyperdrive to figure out like, what more can I do? Like, I'm not like at that point, I wasn't going to rely on science anymore. I knew it could get me there, but it's like, what more can I do? And that's when I really just, you know, started discovering like the really good, cause I do think it's good general advice that um, all these holistic, like the acupuncture, warm, cold foods, all that, mm-hmm. even though that's great, it would have never worked for me because the fact of i think our western societies so most of these practices are based in the east mm-hmm. and are far beyond their years right like <laughs> yeah yeah they know how to really pinpoint you and most of your traits and really nail in those foods and i think are the the basis of them are, are absolutely brilliant. But what's missing now is our Western society has come in and completely just thrown the game a different way. You know, they weren't really built on societies that grew up on fast food or grew up on Pop-Tarts and Lunchables yeah. and, and normally like healthy foods, right? Like we, my mom didn't think it was unhealthy to send me to school with a Lunchable, right? Yeah, like, right. you know, in fairness to most people, they don't think Lunchables are bad. They're still going strong. <laughs> but yeah. I think, you know, when that happens in our society and we get a lot of women who just are like are con- continuously are just like not see the results, That they want and are just questioning why, why do I see so many people raving about acupuncture, raving about this diet? Why didn't it work for me? And that's when, you know, if you are at that point, steering yourself into a direction that you need to go and figuring out what foods do and don't work for you. So all of the diets out there for me would have never worked in the sense that I'm highly intolerant to paprika, tomato, aubergines, all these good healthy foods that they recommend, all the nuts, the legumes. And it just, it got me to a certain goal with IVF and I got better embryos, but I still couldn't maintain a healthy pregnancy.
1: And you think it was because you were focusing on foods that weren't good for your specific body? A hundred
0: percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hands down. Do I think I could have got pregnant with IVF and the immune suppressing drugs without figuring out that tomatoes were bad for me? Yeah, of course. Like, I don't think transitioning to my version of an autoimmune paleo diet got me pregnant with my IVF baby. So, I haven't, uh, in between my two miscarriages, I have an IVF baby. I think that could have been done on a paleo diet with immune suppressing drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people see that result. I think a lot of people just, you know, cut out the gluten, cut you know, mm-hmm. cut out the basics and see results. And mm-hmm. that's great. But yeah, just getting on to what worked for me and kind of Getting out of the fertility zone, because I think that sometimes we're so focused mm-hmm. on fertility that we miss the bigger picture that your whole body's linked. And yeah, that, there's no way I would have got pregnant naturally if I didn't find that missing link.
1: Like what you said earlier, we have so many resources at our fingertips. And you can find probably 20 different books about what you should be eating for your fertility. And, you know, you hear so much conflicting stuff about supplements that are supposed to help and this and that. And it's just, like I said, overwhelming. What would your advice be, I guess? Like, did you do like a elimination diet to see what was triggering
0: you or how did you handle that? Um, so my journey was way too long. <laughs> <laughs> so yes and no. So I went paleo basically and did that for a year. And then when I found out I had an immune issue, luckily the paleo mom was on the internet already talking about immune issues. So I just, I, I was already in the mindset that I had gotten out of fertility. I was like, I can't focus on my eggs because my food and my supplements do not go to my eggs. What's the what's connecting everything else to my eggs? Is my gut. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a healthy gut, then that can impact everything. Your thyroid, which is part of your endocrine system, mm-hmm. which you know is like the pituitary gland. I think at the top, and your ovaries at the bottom. So if your endocrine system is, you know, out of whack, that can go out of whack. So I decided to do the autoimmune. And then I didn't even go full autoimmune. I, I still kept eggs and like almonds, pine nuts, like little things. But the last symptom that I had that had, not, that had to do with my guts and my poo, <laughs> embarrassing me, that went away within two weeks. It wow. was gone. And it was the one thing that was just up and down on the paleo diet, still wasn't. And the thing with me is that, and, and this is all hindsight stuff now, is that the damage was done when I was like 18 or 19 years old.
1: Like I was having, you know,
0: issues back then. I lived a really hard lifestyle. I was working eight hour days, going to high school, partying, you know, everything that we think is normal. Right. Right. (laughs) And for a lot of us, we don't feel sick. And then when infertility hits, it's like all the clients that I have, it's like, let's go back. Let's go way back to when the issues started to happen and you didn't realize that they were happening and then it unfolds. So my best advice now is, is start slow, right? Yeah. Going full autoimmune is hard as fuck. I mean, to even do it now, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing yeah. it for years, but I know the benefits and I know when to when to relax and what what's going to happen if I do relax and all those things. But yeah, just start slowly. And if you're not seeing the results that you want, add more. And I do think there's a time and place where you go a little bit mad and you're just super hardcore and that is your life and you figure out what your 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 balance is, right? The thing with healing too is the more you take out, the more inflammation you take out, the quicker your body's going to heal mm-hmm. because that's what your body's always trying to do. It's always trying to get back into a homeostasis being. Yeah. But what we're doing, either subconsciously or not, is just hammer, hammer, hammer. And for people who have the genetic makeup, which happens to be or like go into infertility, because there's definitely a woman out there that is the same exact as me diet lifestyle wise and had no fertility issues. Yeah. Her genetics weren't set up to pre-position or pre-pre-whatever her (laughs) to have those issues where mine... Was. And I can easily trace it back to my parents' lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like when you start looking at the big picture, you kind of go, okay. Um, and I was just talking to a client the other day and she was laughing. She's like, you know, like I'm lucky that it's, she's dealing with secondary infertility. That secondary infertility is the thing I'm struggling with. Because my diet and lifestyle, now when I look back to my 20s, I'm lucky to be (laughs) be alive. (laughs) And we just don't think because our bodies are so resilient. Yeah. They can take a big hammer.
1: Yeah, I was going to say too, like one thing I wanted to share that I've really enjoyed and that I've put into practice, like kind of halfway through my fertility journey is like really taking care of the mental piece, which Mm -hmm. started going to therapy with my husband specifically to talk about infertility and have a place where, in a time where we can unload all of the stress and all of the thoughts and talk through issues and hard conversations so that it doesn't just completely consume every conversation you have with your partner because it is an all-consuming thing. So having a, pl- having a time and a place to talk about stuff really has helped. Also, I started meditating. I use several apps. I use Insight Timer. I use Expectful. but I do a meditation every night before I go to sleep. It has really helped calm the noise in my head so that I can get a good night's rest. I also recently started doing restorative yoga which I really love. I worked with a member of Fertility Rally actually who is a birth doula and a yoga teacher and she we just did a Zoom session and she showed me like several fertility friendly poses restorative poses to do because I'm a go, 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 always busy. I'm terrible at resting. And so putting that into practice has really been nice and helped me mentally as well as physically because I want to be super fucking sweaty and lift all these Mm -hmm. weights. And like I'm just an intense human. So finding ways to wind that down a little bit has been really, really good mentally and then also
0: physically. Yeah. A hundred percent. Your mental health is so underrated during fertility issues. I mean, I'm really glad there's a shift in society that is putting mental health as a priority, but I think being type A myself (laughs) and listening to what society said about you have to sweat, you have to go, you have to work hard. What's happening there is that you're actually putting a lot of stress on your adrenals, which again are a part of your endocrine system, which again affect your ovaries. And even though we feel that we're doing things and that makes us feel great, it's absolutely whacking yourself and (sighs) That is a big thing. I would say there's a large percentage of women who are type A in the infertility world because of that plays into why we're having fertility issues. Yeah. So if we're not addressing that, the stress of infertility alone builds on top of that, and then that you know the whole just relax is like (laughs) you know like yes we all need to just relax, but let's not just say that. But yeah, hundred percent. And it's crazy because. If you allow this journey to guide you in making these really big changes mm-hmm. and figuring out how to better your health, it may increase your chances. I not have to use yeah. my words correctly, even though I truly believe in it. But what I've seen now is you become a better mother because of it. Yeah. You know, all the stuff you're working on now is going to better your pregnancy because a lot of, you know, we just want to see those two pink lines, right? We just want to get there. (laughs) And, you know, I have two very different pregnancies and I'll tell you the shit hits the fan once you see those two pink lines. Yeah, the stress, the worry, especially if you've dealt with loss, you know, it maximizes it. And if you put into place now the tools to help guide you, because you're never going to get rid of that stuff, it's always going to be there. Yeah. You have those tools to help guide you, lower your stress levels, you know, it benefits your baby. And eventually, when you do become a mother, you know, you have those tools in place when. Society, once again, has plastered motherhood as a very easy thing. Yeah, (laughs) right. So yeah, all these things matter. I know that it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I always just say, take on what you can and build from there. I know that when your time is put on pause, delayed things, just welcome that into your life and just go, I have one more month. Mm -hmm. to improve my situation.
1: It's funny that you say that because literally I was walking this morning and I was like, you know, it is truly like, it is one more month to be super healthy and put these good practices into place and not to go off on a body image tangent here, but like hormones do some crazy things to our bodies, especially whenever you do five rounds of IVF on Mm -hmm. crazy amounts of, like high doses, all this stuff. So- Over the course of my journey, I have gained like a little over 15 pounds and I have been working like hell over this quarantine to like work out and not in a crazy way, like not like, you know, there's been phases of my life where I've like worked out three times a day and it's just not sustainable and not healthy and whatever. So, but I have been working out a lot during the quarantine, which has been so amazing because being at home, it's so much easier to fit it in because you're not spending all this time in the car or whatever. So I'm finally back to my healthy, good BMI. I feel good. And I'm like, okay, I was walking this morning. I was like, even another month to feel even better, you know? Mm-hmm. So I am trying to see the silver lining. I know, right. some, I know <laughs> sometimes people like are like, oh my God, I'm so tired of the silver lining crap. But I, I'm trying to reframe it and look at it as a positive and not a negative.
0: You're always going to have to do that, right? like yeah. shit's always going to hit the fan like even after infertility like yeah. life doesn't sail like trust me <laughs> right <doesn't>. i know <laughs> so when you're able to notice that you're putting yourself down or that you're feeling like, why me? Or any of those negative feelings, like embrace those feelings and go, okay, how can I switch this around? You know, it's not about shunning them. It's not about fake positivity, you know, but it is like, okay, I've had my pity party. Let's go. (laughs) Like, how am I going to live the next month? Like it's not going to Benefit me to be sad about it or angry. That's it, does nothing.
1: You're totally right. I always, I, I, one of my guests on my podcast said it one time like, put a limit on your pity party, have it, and then move on because there's no, what other choice do we have? It's, you know, so for me, like everyone is so sweet. So many people. Um, I posted on my Instagram about the delay and just like, really, how am I in the... I always find myself in the the weird side of statistics, like how am I one of the 3% that this happens to, blah, blah, blah. And people keep checking on me today and I'm like, you know what? Today's a new day. I'm over it. I'm moving on. I'm positively spinning this and... Yeah. Trying to find the opportunity. Like what's the lesson I learned here? Or like whatever. I
0: wanted stuff. to touch on your hormones too, just like for yeah, everyone yeah. listening and your journey is two years, right? And f- you've had five IVFs. Yes. Okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many. But,
0: like I feel like emotion, like I feel emotionally for you because I mean, Are you I getting mean, heart palpitations just, thinking yeah. about it?
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. A-, a little bit. Yeah what happens to the body when you have normal hormone dysfunction anyways if you're genetically set up to it, you're going to put on the weight. When some people are overweight, it's a hormone imbalance. IVF drugs are a complete hormone fuck. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely not your fault. <laughs> and also, it's rebalancing those hormones after IVF. So not just exercising to lose the weight, but really giving your body time to get rid of those hormones because they can store up and you know, nourishing yourself with the right food, the right diet, and the mental clarity. I would say anyone who, any client of mine who has weight as one of their issues that they want to work mm-hmm. on during infertility, they lose the weight without even thinking about it once they get on the right diet and their hormones, mm-hmm. you know, so start regulating. Start regulating. So, is it be gentle are, do you do to a, yourself?
1: Do you do a lot of work with estrogen detoxing?
0: Like, um, I try not to focus on specific things. Mm -hmm. So if you're estrogen dominant, it's kind of like why. I mean, obviously, if you're taking hormones, we know that why. Um, It's really the approach I take um, almost has nothing to do with fertility. Mm-hmm. And we want to know why your hormones are out of whack. Home, you know, There's something else causing your hormones to be out of whack. So we, we look into why that is. And most of the time, it comes down to the gut. And when it comes down to the gut, it's two things. It's your stress levels, mm-hmm. and it's your food. So it's very scientific, but at the same time, it's super basic. And once you start thinking that way, like it's almost obvious. Like Everything goes to your gut. Yeah. You know, like everything. So, I mean, I get the hyper focus on the supplements thinking like that co uh what is it? CoQ10 Q-10 yeah. is going to maximize that aid quality like I have I don't I don't know why I'm not blue from the amount of supplements I used to take. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a really good video on Instagram on IGTV about water and I show you how this is the supplement you're taking. This is the inflammation you're putting in your body. This is why your supplements might not be working. Uh, you know, we have gotten very off the mark of what supplements are for. They're there to support us, you know. Right. And unfortunately, I feel like our um, society and then the quick fixes, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, supplements have just been they're a part of infertility, right? They're, mm-hmm. um, the first thing you do, you go get a prenatal, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right.
1: What's like the so. number one tool you have for like, what's the one habit everybody can do or that you recommend to like start fixing your gut issues? Like, is there some, like, for example, what came to mind was apple cider vinegar or like, is, <laughs> is there like one hack that you really like that you recommend to everybody? No. Yeah,
0: I mean, apple cider vinegar is great if you use it correctly. But once again, it's like people think it's a quick fix. The number one thing you can do for your gut health is eliminate your food intolerance, hands down. Um, So you got to figure that out. So you either go get a really high quality food sensitivity test. Um, A lot of the ones that you can get on the market today from like Target are pretty weak. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of issues with them. So you definitely want to invest in a quality one or you do the elimination diet. You know, you'd start with the top 5, see how you feel, introduce one over 5 to 7 days. I mean, it's a long, long process. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's the number one thing you can do for yourself. And then the second thing is your mindset and your stress levels. And I personally feel that's the hardest. Yeah, 100%. Food you can keep out of your house, you know, like yes, you have temptations here and there, but they they go hand in hand because I had to start looking at myself and mine was a glass of red wine, like the gluten was easy, like everything was easy, I was like, my glass of red wine at night, and it was like, why can't I cut that out? What emotional attachments do I have to this that it's more important to have a drink than to have a baby. And that's how I saw it. I know it's not that. It's very extreme. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I had to get, you know, that's what six years of people do to you. Right. And that's where the mindset comes into place is that once you start figuring out why you're so emotionally attached to anything you're addicted to, you know, for me, it was red wine, some people, sugar, gluten, whatever, the emotional eating and start digging into that stuff. You don't realize that that's self-sabotage. You're subconsciously self-sabotaging yourself because at one point you didn't feel loved enough or this happened to you. And you start getting back into, you know, events in your childhood that are, are traumatic. But once again, society hasn't taught us what an actual traumatic event is. You know, we all think, well, for me, I'm like, I think sexual abuse or physical Mm -hmm. abuse, you know, I didn't have any of that. I felt I had a very, you know, loving childhood. And then when you start really breaking things down, you're like, my parents did the best that they could. I'm yeah. really grateful for them. So anyways, they go together. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was going to say, well, so you don't drink red wine anymore uh, or is you know it what? It's a trigger for your
0: gut? Yeah. a uh, Hands down. The paleo mom has the best article and it was the article that finally made me go, right. I'm giving it up. Even one glass because I knew my issue was my gut and she she's so amazing i mean she like she is she's a scientist right she's a doctor so it's not just like hoopla (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah she's like this is how even one glass of wine when you have leaky gut or when your gut is not you know really healed this is how it can affect it and i was like okay that's it i went dry for three months before my second frozen embryo transfer got pregnant so obviously didn't drink for 9 months and i was like that's it i've i've conquered my like drinking habit i'm never going to drink again yeah yeah <laughs> it's not that easy but the longer you do it um i must say now i have not had a glass of red wine in probably a month because it just makes me feel like shit now even one yeah i just feel it everywhere so the more you're off of it the more the more you feel it, the more you don't want it anymore. We drink; we have either organic cider or hard kombucha. But I, you know, it, I, I still feel it in my gut now. Once you become so hyper aware of what your mm. issues are, but I'm I'm definitely not perfect. I mean, yeah. my, my peak of my health was when I got pregnant naturally. I mean, I yeah, was, I felt great. I was life happens, two kids happen, moving countries, buying house, you know, you fall back on things. I can't imagine where I would have been, even if I didn't have kids and I didn't figure out my health issues, if I didn't go down this route, if there wasn't something that, you know, if my friend never suggests changing my diet up, I Mm -hmm. always wonder now where my health would be. -hmm. You know, would I be full blown Hashimoto's by now? Would I Mm -hmm. have like full blown ulcers by now in my stomach? I would have never been able to do the business I'm doing now. Having the confidence to do a podcast or put my face on Instagram, like, yeah, and TikTok,
1: girl, you're all up in TikTok,
0: (laughs) right? Like, me 10 years ago would have never ever done any of that stuff. I wouldn't have had the mental clarity. I wouldn't have had, I would have had all the self-sabotaging. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I still have a little bit of that, like imposter syndrome talking about all the scientific stuff because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. That's not even how my brain it's trained. I'm, I'm a dancer. I'm a creator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I like pretty colors. When you put it into place yourself, you see the results, you see the studies, you get into epigenetics, all that stuff. You just, it just shifts. And it's just like, you have to talk about these things for the future of our children. Mm-hmm. Because even though IVF is great and like in your situation, having IVF is amazing. IVF is totally being used on people like me who don't need it and yeah. in a result we're you know the statistics are there the kids are you know 30% at a higher risk of having issues and it's not ivf you know those mm-hmm. that it's not the treatment that's doing that it's because we don't have to get healthy to have children anymore
1: yeah right it's like this easy well, it's not easy but this easy <laughs> yeah. fix or whatever right it's like this well, prescription yeah
0: yeah and, and 100% I, I, and like, I feel like I can say this because I've done both. IVF is easier. It is easier than changing your diet, than changing your mindset, than day after day, not knowing if it's going to work, not knowing, you know, not having even that 30% guarantee, you know, like it's crazy how we go into IVF and think, well, 30%, yeah, give me that chance. Like, you know, you want to go in for surgery with a doctor on your heart, go, I have got 30%, you know, success, yeah, rate. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we are, yeah, we're in that mindset. So I think it's really important, obviously. Yeah. And, um, you know, just trying to get the word out because it's you're going up against a really big machine, you know, and you're going up against attitude changes too. If I was talking to me, when at the beginning of my journey, I would have told you to fuck off. No, way. like there's nothing wrong with me. You know, like, Yeah, right. I'm not, I don't have to do any of that. Like it will happen. So but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's important. And I'm really grateful that Instagram is around. You have people like yourself talking about these things because when I was going through it, you didn't, you didn't even right. have social media. I didn't know anyone going through infertility and maybe that's why my journey was so long is because we didn't have people like us standing up and going, you know, look, you can, this can help or, you know, all those types of things. So I think it's good because, yeah, I would have never shared my journey like you did going through it. (laughs) You know, like... um, You
1: say that, but you might have had all the tools been there. It's been so healing for me. Like, that's one of the things that I've really like you said, you wouldn't have your business and all this had, had you not gone through all of this. And for me, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful for my journey because it's allowed me to grow so much as a person discover so much about my body, what I need. Like like you said, figuring out things that like I would have never figured out otherwise. Like- mm-hmm. I am an overcommitted human. I need to slow down. Like I need to work on my mental mindset. I've become so much more empathetic because of going through all of this, like just in general towards everyone. I'm glad that I started sharing. It was a little scary at first, but you know, it's (laughs) been, it's been good. And I see all the good that it's doing and like everything, all that hard work that you did to achieve a natural pregnancy. Like look how many people you're helping. It's just so, it's so awesome.
0: Yeah. I've got a good book for you to read about slowing down. It was, okay. I would say hands down out of every self-help book I've read, this is probably the one that impacted my life the most. It's called The Power of Slow by okay. Carl Horn. All right. Um, I'll put it on I'll, the list. It just talks about what slowing down can actually do do for you. So yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing book. I think I've mentioned it several times on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
1: have to read it. I have, I have such a long list of books that I need to read, but that one I think would really, maybe I'll do an audio book and listen to it on my morning
0: walk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely, um, improved all aspects, especially my golf game. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome.
0: Uh, Well, thank you so much, Blair, for joining us today. We've we've gone on, I could talk to you forever, but- um... I know it.
1: Well, you're going to come on my podcast soon, so we'll get to talk more. Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) Share with our listeners what you are doing right now to help support the community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can, like what Monica has mentioned, me sharing my story all over Instagram. If you don't follow me, my personal handle is Fab Fertility, like fabulous F-A-B Fertility. And it is really- truly just like a journal on Instagram of what I'm going through with IVF. So I share a lot about my journey, but also I try to take what I'm going through and turn them into educational pieces to help other people going through it. So you can follow me there. I have my own podcast, Fab Fertility, that Monica is going to come on soon, which I'm so pumped about. And then me and another podcaster, her name's Allison Prado, we co-founded Fertility Rally, which is a membership platform. And also we have a public site as well but we host weekly support groups. We host virtual events about all sort of niche topics like IVF, like sperm donation, like all this, all we try to really niche down and get super specific. We have blog posts. We do little 10 minute with videos with celebrities. We have happy hours. So it's, we are trying to be an, a go-to place for people that are seeking support. It's a lot of fun. Check it out, fertilityrally.com. And we have our
0: own Instagram too. So fertility rally. That's it. Nice. And those will all be down in the show notes so you can easily access them. Thank you (laughs) so much for joining us and we will see you soon.